Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. There's that. We're that recording on both. I'm a... Masters of Couch Potato Style. Punches and Popcorn. Welcome back to the universe of Punches and Popcorn. You have entered the jungle with us for Couch Potato Ninjas. We are here tonight to do to discuss a fantastic Shaw Brothers film, Back into the World of Shaw. But before we get into the movie, let's introduce ourselves again. I uh, you haven't forgotten us, and maybe you miss us. <laughs> uh, to begin, I'm your host, Mike. Uh, happy to be here, and let's get into the rest of our crew. We've got our magic man on the dials, Matt. What's up? I uh, I think I would use that bench from that bench fight. I would just walk around with that all the time. I feel like that would be a very comfortable way to live. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of cozy with these fights right yeah absolutely <laughs> all right. yes all right and we have our the genius the ambassador mr jason bills i think i just like ambassador that's just cleaner oh i love yes. that yeah ambassador. thank you okay yes no i'm excited to talk about this excellent one. you know and there's a lot of ambassadorship that kind of happens in this movie <laughs> in some ways so it's gonna be right true. up your alley there we go and in this movie, there's also some really creative weapons used, and we have our own very creative weapon, the professor, <laughs> Dr. Dye. <Dye. laughs> How you doing? Good to be back. I'm still surprised you invited me again. <laughs> um, Dr. Dom, I can't remember. Did you? I know we covered this last time, and some days feel years. Today was one of those days for <laughs> myself, but... <laughs> Remind me, did you win the Western New York Kumite? Like I said, we cannot talk about the Kumite. Uh, a yes. But uh, I beat Frank Dukes' record. I knocked someone out in th 37 <laughs> milliseconds. Yeah. And my, my argument is just as credible as his. Like, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Say no more. Well, and we know that... <laughs> And we know that the ambassador here, if we just put it up on a placard on a screen, that is a documented fact as far as our ambassador is concerned here. There we go. I just need verbal confirmation. Next, next show, we'll right. have that. It'll there you go. Yes. The ambassador of kick or Jason Bills and the walking weapon. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need title cards for these. Well, I, I can say this. I did pick up a few interesting lessons from the Kumite. So oh. I, I was building my deck. So like I have a deck in the backyard and I'm basically putting airs on it. And my saw ran out of um, ran out of battery power. So I just used the dim mock and broke a bunch of boards and built the deck. It was, <laughs> yes. it was awesome. It was awesome. Like, I don't understand why, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't go into construction because, you know, the amount of money he could save on equipment just shattering you know it's like oh we gotta so <laughs> we gotta saw these tiles no nope, pop you know we gotta break these boards Dunk. all right yeah yeah i'm and just thinking about faces 
yeah, Home Home and Gardens right. television uh, should be a show. <laughs> you home gardening, building your house with the duck. <laughs> Sounds good. home improvement, kung fu style, Al Borland. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like they have a show for anyone on HGTV. So. Right. So why not? Here we go. I mean, you could. T- Take your board, do that big giant sheet thing. So at home, if you want to have them cut it for you, could just take it to Jean Claude or Dr. Tom and just have them. Demock that shit. Demock that shit. That's all I have there to you say. Yes. <laughs> the only disappointed about that story is that you used a saw to begin with. Like, that seems weak. You should have I'm, I'm getting, o- I was get- I'm getting over, over an hands. injury. I'm getting over an oh, injury. God. That's why. So yeah. There you go. Oh, By the way, why. if you train that's, martial that's, arts. That's, on a serious note, if you train martial arts in your 40s and you don't have an injury once every three months, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Seriously. That, that's, yeah, that's honestly what I talk about the most at jiu-jitsu class and judo <laughs> class is, is our latest injuries. It's like, oh, I'm getting that. Like I was talking to my friend Mike and he's like, I'm like, how you doing? He's like, terrible. And I'm like, you want to do throws? He's like, no. And I'm like, how are things? And he just points to his knees like, I'm finally getting an MRI. I'm oh, hoping geez. the doctor just says I'm old. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, I had a neck injury, and it was a terrible neck injury. I couldn't, like, I was walking around like quasi friggin' moto. My wife was like, can you do anything? And I'm like, I can't do anything. I go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, you have degenerative di- disc disease. And I'm like, oh my God, wait, that's that's normal. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty normal. You're old and you fall on the ground a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, that's like, why would you put- take up golf? And I'm like, no, not taking up golf, still doing jujitsu. So. <laughs> that's it. See, and that's why we perfected the art of couch potato style so that you could practice martial arts in a safe way for us 40 plus folks. Right from the honestly, country. I'd probably I'd probably burn myself on some like French fry oil or something or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully, we will avoid injury tonight when we get into a classic of Shaw Brothers cinema. No promises. And no movie promises. I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> yeah, they're well, definitely not here either. Um, one of the things I'm excited to talk about this guys is this is actually breaking our movie seal for getting into movies that we saw at the old school Kung Fu Festival a few, well, now it's like a few months ago in Syracuse. So this was the last movie of that night, the first of the those four movies that we watched we're going to cover. And again, tonight we are talking about Dirty Ho. This is a movie that usually when you tell people the name of it, they have interesting reactions and might often be surprised to find out it's a Kung Fu movie. But it is. It was made in 1979 by Lau Kar Long. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I'm sure we will uh, with our chats here. But I am hoping that Matt is going to bless me with our fanfare. If we're talking about Shaw, I just I need that to get my day started. I always feel like we should stand up and salute when we play that. <laughs> I well, I don't know if you guys could see. Obviously, our audience can't, but you know, I'm wearing my Shaw Brothers T-shirt now, and That's I was exciting. trying to do the Gordon Liu uh, mustache stroke. I've really been working on perfecting it from this movie because it's one of my favorite 
parts of this movie is the mustache and how much he he grooms it in the movie. So that, that's my salute is the mustache salute. It never so. looks cooler. No matter how much he grooms it, it never starts to look cooler. It's always the exact same. It's very odd. <laughs> you think it would start to turn up at the end. You get some like rally fingers action, but no, nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> or someone someone would right like there's very to get the little twirly villainesque action. I guess yeah, if he did the well, Let's start. Like uh that. right. <laughs> All right. So guys, let's start off like we usually do. Uh just initial impressions. Either, you know, when you we've seen it before or rewatching it for our show here. Let's start. Just what are some of your thoughts about this movie? How do you feel about Dirty Ho, the movie? <laughs> Who's going first? <laughs> Not everybody Dom left, wants. so he has to go. That means he's primed. <laughs> no, no, so, so I've been telling people I'm on this podcast. So, like, what movie are you doing? Like, Bloodsport. Oh, I know that one. And, and, you know, it's like Enter the Dragon. Oh, I know that one. Dirty Ho. And they're like, say what now? And I'm like, Dirty Ho. No, the one character's name is Ho Chi. And they're like, Ho Chi Minh? No, that's Vietnamese. Stop. No, um, Ho Chi. And it's like, so he, and he's a thief. So he's the dirty ho. And they're like, wow. And then I watched it with my wife and she's like, she's, well, the other character seems to be better at Kung Fu. So why didn't they name it after him? I'm like, Wang. So like, dirty Wang? But he's not dirty. So it would be clean Wang. And I think clean Wang is just as bad as dirty ho. I, I think, I think they, I think the plot, they box themselves into a corner. Anyway, aside from <laughs> the glaringly obvious 14-year-old jokes here, um, so this movie is kind of like a Jackie version of Game of Thrones, because if you think about it, you know, it's one brother trying to assassinate another brother so he can get the throne. But the one brother's like, I don't want the throne. I just want wine and antiques <laughs> and kung fu. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a pretty good sell. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, so it's like, this movie is goofy as hell. Okay, let's just let's just say it. It's I like it. I like it. But it is goofy. The antagonists are like, like Dick Tracy. Like, seriously, you got the four cripples. <laughs> Who aren't actually cripples. You got the blind guy who tells your fortune who's not actually blind. The guy with one foot, the guy with one arm, and the hunchback. The bitters, they're just weird. Like, they creep me out. I was like, what, 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 what is <laughs> happening here? There's so many bizarre things. And, like, it's almost they're having such a good time. Like, Gordon Liu is having such a good time doing this. Like, it's just a goofy, fun movie. Um, the, I mean, the choreography is also superb. That final fight is like, how long is it? It's like 10 minutes long. It's wonderful. And it's just glorious to watch. Mm -hmm. The costumes are beautiful. The set pieces are great. Like it is really, really like, it's like a super duper well-made goofy movie. And and it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you there. So Matt, Jason, how about you guys? Just to kind of tag in on Dom's comments about titling this film, um, Having been around exploitation films for a while, I can guarantee you, no butts in seat for Clean Wang. Nobody's showing up for that. <laughs> You're not getting much return on it. Um, but yeah, so Dirty Ho, it's, um, I caught it, El Ray when they first started, the Robert Rodriguez cable channel. Oh, yeah. They used to run, um, it was basically like an old school kung fu theater every Friday night, and it was a double feature. It was Crippled Avengers and then Dirty Ho. 
Um, and I don't know what it was. It was just like the perfect double feature. And Dirty Ho is arguably my favorite Shaw movie uh, because it's so different. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is. There's nothing like it, at least that I've seen. In, in the rest of the catalog, the rest of the catalog is all like revenge stories, and you know, yeah. all, all you know, the the Manchurians are the bad guys. This one, they're the good guys. There's no like this is really just almost operatic in the set pieces, or like uh, uh, you know what we would look at as like a comedy. It's it's just like I can see the DNA of Dirty Ho in a lot of the stuff I like now. Like if you, there's almost a straight line between Dirty Ho and the way like you know. Edgar Wright shoots a fight scene. It's almost identical. Right. Or any, like, the really choreographed... I mean, you could probably draw a through line between that and, like, a, a Jason Statham transporter or a crank, right? They just shoot it crazier. Right. And it's, it's very much the same. Actually, if I can interrupt, I was wondering something. You guys might know this. Was the whole Jackie Chan style of film, was it spawned from this? Because I know, I know Jackie Chan started to come into prominence during the 80s, and this movie came out in 1979. And I couldn't help but see, I'm like, half of this is Kung Fu and half of this is just crazy ass goofy stunts, which is like Jackie Chan's signature stuff. So is there a direct connection or is it just coincidence? I mean, Jackie was sort of doing his like kind of comedy stuff right around the late 70s. So it's definitely maybe around the same time. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely like, a, but like you said, J- Jackie really didn't hit until, you know, late 70s, early 80s. But he, he sort of was doing this like you know, his goofy Kung Fu, like it looks like Fearless Hyena was in 79 spiritual Kung Fu was 78. So right around that time, half a loaf of Kung Fu was 78. So it, it's definitely, you know, Jackie always says that like he was trying to be like, you know, like the comedic Bruce Lee. So I don't know whether he had that idea, but like you said, there, there's definitely something there where it's like, well, but maybe it's just these also this, um, the director who Mike would know his name, which I can't come up with right now is, just like maybe we should do something more c- with a comedic bent to it or just goofy because <laughs> that's what this totally is so matt was saying that like you know stuff he loves today it kind of directly maybe descended from this it feels like if you were to show me like picture of like stephen chow's parents whether it's the mother or the father <laughs> one of them would be dirty Ho. like it's definitely that you know that comedic slapstick elements but also like super interesting kind of ridiculous fighting where it's you know we're bringing in you know it's not just man versus man or man versus woman it's like i've got a you know like a thing of wine or i've got a stool like it's just super creative with that and it just never it's like relentless there's a you know it just stuff you never think you'd see in a fight scene they're just throwing out there so i i'm decided i've been rambling so i'll stop now but um yeah i mean i agree with all of you uh the director that you're searching for jason our director tonight that i definitely want to talk about a bunch but i won't save myself or I save me from going into a soliloquy here too much about the legendary Lau Kar Leung. Uh, Who eventually works with uh, Jackie Chan. Right. And that's actually where I was going with that. So we talked about, did this influence, uh, you know, Jackie Chan, one of his first big films to break out outside of kind of the martial arts targeted audience in Hong Kong was, Drunken Master 2, or released in America as Drunken Master 1, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> but Drunken Master 2 was directed by Lau Kar Lung. Uh, so there's definitely, there's connections there to that. And yes. as a preview towards the end of the episode, the next movie we're going to talk about in our next episode is Drunken Master 1 as an actual one. 
not number two that's titled as one. But we can just forget all that mess. Looks like uh, the so, of Drunken Master, so there's a right. Oh well, <laughs> and then there's another. Yeah, there's there's some crossover, but we will we'll we'll talk about that when we get Drunken Mastery. Um, but as far as Laukar Long, again, Laukar Long is one of the legendary, legendary, legendary directors to come out of Shaw Studios. Uh, you know, we'll get into more, I'm sure later, but he comes from a pretty uh, sacred. I guess that's the word I might use for it. Uh, sacred kung fu tradition uh he was born with deep kung fu roots actually started uh with shaw as a as a uh, martial arts coordinator and we talked about him so there's a few connections here to the second movie we did king boxer we had mm-hmm. talked about there as brother laukar laukar wing was the fight coordinator there and the uh, director of king boxer did that kind of intentionally knowing knowing that laukar long at the time uh, again, if we call back, I think King Boxer was that 73, 72 yep. that that came out. So, mm-hmm. you know, the other side of the 70s from this movie. But even at, at that time, Lau Kar Long was uh, like the premier fight coordinator uh, with Shaw Studios. And as we talked about King Boxer, the director there couldn't afford to get or run run wouldn't let him use Lau Kar Long as his fight coordinator. So we got his brother to do it. And then just our director tonight also kind of tagged in and helped him coordinate those. Uh, but eventually, Lau Kar Long stepped into the director's role, I think was, if not the first, one of the first, one of the only fight coordinators that made that jump over to director and then created just a slew of, uh, I think for most people, when you think of, aside from King Boxer, the like best movies that Shaw Studios did, and we're talking uh, movies like that we're definitely going to cover, uh, the 36th, cha- 36th Chamber of Shaolin, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, Marshall Club, Legendary Weapons of China, this, uh, and then had other movies after Shaw, like he kind of outlived Shaw Studios for a little bit, including Drunken Master 2. Uh, yeah. So he, again, it's really big, and I don't, I, I could go, but nobody's here to listen to Mike talk about Lau Kar Long for two hours, so I'll, I'll relinquish <laughs> the mic a little bit. But uh, he, you know, he's a very prominent director a lot of the movies and uh, and a lot of the things we already talked about here really were signature things for him, that color, the the way it's shot and all that. But again, I don't want to go in. Uh, let's, uh, what kind of stood out to you guys or what, you know, what are the kind of the things that, uh, you know, you noticed you want to talk about? I thought it was, I thought it was visually a feast. Like the costumes look great. The set piece is like, you could tell a lot of it was on a stage but it looked really good. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the like, what, what would you call it? Like a casino boat or a bar boat, like on the river with those bridges. I was like, this is gorgeous. I would love to go to this place. You know, and the uh, women are playing that, the lutes. And that, the place, that place was a brothel. Okay, a brothel. A gorgeous <laughs> brothel, let's be honest. So let's isolate that. I would that we'll say that like place was a brothel. Place. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... Okay, as far as I'm okay, as far as I'm concerned, the women all you saw was like their neckline and their hands. So excuse me for not realizing that was a brothel. Okay. <laughs> they were fully right. covered. Most of the women in this movie are prostitutes. Ah, yes. But not how we're used to seeing them. <laughs> yes, I was a little surprised. I learned something today. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for screwing like all the candles <laughs> and all the Okay, I'm you totally killing me. Yeah, you're rude as thunder, Mike. Jeez. <laughs> thunder, thunder. Okay. 
take it back. Okay, calm down. <laughs> Aside from the hose and dirty hoe, there's I mean, actually <laughs> yes, I got, there were hoes and dirty hoes. No. Yes, there were. <laughs> it all comes full circle, no. my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, like I thought it was. I thought like you know there was a lot of great use of gold and red. Like you notice how there was like lots of um, flags and like tapestries and lots of gold print and the use of color and like their outfits were always very bright. And, and I just feel like it was I, – I really have never seen that kind of visual spectacle in a movie. Um, and I just thought it was, it was a real treat. Um, also, another interesting thing. When we watched it um, in Syracuse, that version of the movie was so poor, I had no idea that the color palette was this broad. So I'm watching it on Amazon, and I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Because yeah. it was basically pink. When we watched it, it reminded me of Three, the four, anomaly eight, yeah. alligator <laughs> cut that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I you're right. That a, yeah, that was a big takeaway for me too. seeing it. Uh, and that's the kind of heartbreaking thing of seeing it in the theater versus watching it on your couch, even though that's one of our namesakes is like I could actually see like. Dom was saying the gorgeous colors, the amazing sets that the Shaws had access to. So, you know, versus in the theater where, you know, you're just kind of feeding to see the action, let alone, you know, what was around the action. Oh, another right. thing and, about the theater, about the thing about the theater one that we watched, um, the dub sucked. And I watched <laughs> the same dub, which also sucked. The general sounded like, you know, he was a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the the one Which, that you rented from Amazon had the dub. Same dub, dude. The dub, the, it was the same dub that we saw in the theaters. Was the dub I I had on Amazon. In Amazon, I could put on English subtitles. At the theater, oh, they had yeah. that dub, but it was Spanish subtitles. And oh, I don't that's know right. Spanish, I forgot so about that. Just, I don't even remember that. Wow, yeah. I would love to know where that print came from. Oh, that's. I bet we could find out. Um, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so I watched it on Arrow, which again we. Three of us here have tried to convince Dom that he should pay the five dollars a month for Arrow. Shout we are big fans Hold of on. Arrow here. Yes, sir. <laughs> Arrow only has the Chinese dub. There's no English dub of it on Arrow. Yep. Um. So I watched it in so Chinese. The original Chinese. Yep. How yep. much is Arrow? I'll get. I'll get it. Just like five bucks. Five dollars a month. Five bucks. I mean, a month. Free, their whole catalog. A free trial too, probably. Okay, can't we just be like normal people and you give me your password? Uh, yeah, I'll right? What are we doing here? Like, this why are absurd. we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are we holding out on like, why do I? Why can't I be a parasite? You know, you know how many people parasite off me for Netflix? Uh-oh. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> the Netflix police are coming for you now. Quick, quick. It's all right. You just got to hold out till July 1st when Stranger Things 4 Part 2 comes out. Then you can cancel it until 2026 when the last season of Stranger Things will come out, right? There you go. So just shove it, Netflix. Shove it. You know, it'll Jeez, be fine. If, making, if the Netflix police come here. and they <laughs> knock on the door, just, just tell them you really like the last season of, I don't know, uh, Lily Hammer, and then you'll be fine. They won't, they won't do it. <laughs> there you go. You. There you go. We got it. We're covered here. Yeah, I was looking. So I actually had the chance to... Uh, when we were prepping for this, talk to our friend Chris Bajali from nice. our one of the authors of These Fist Break Bricks because I wanted to just had a few questions about this. And I a remember close talking friend of the when, podcast. Close, close friend. 
Close French. Uh, but Chris is really helpful. Uh, we, uh, I know we had mentioned Dirty Ho. We talked with him about it a little bit at the Kung Fu Festival. And I remember him saying something about it coming out in Rochester. So he sent me some really interesting info, some like newspaper clipping advertisements for it. Came to Rochester in March 1983, double billed with Jade Warriors. And along was one of uh, the chain of theaters of this guy, Cesar D'Agostino. Uh, who sounds like a really interesting character in Rochester history that brought a lot of these here. So something we'll have to get into later on in the podcast, uh, like over the life of us. But uh, we got to track him and get him on the show. <laughs> right. If he's still out there, find out. Apparently he was, he, he was, he was, yeah, maybe, or a descendant or something, but apparently he was really big in bringing Kung Fu movies into Rochester. So awesome. yeah, that came here. And he said, it looked like the, the dubbed print, at least that he talked about was from, world Northall, so i don't know if that is the one that has the spanish uh, maybe i'll ask chris and see what or see what i can find since he's already provided so much helpful information but uh yeah as i mentioned it came to rochester in 83 this was originally released in hong kong in 79 i think the first showing was in uh, new york or maybe detroit early 81 so it was a couple of years before it got over up here to rochester so for some reason i thought we were like the first but not quite, but we're we were out, I guarantee the coolest place to get it. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that you mentioned is really your signatures of that director. The you know Lau Carlong is known for these big, really colorful, vibrant sets, and a lot of those things are stuff like uh, what I like about this movie are thing. When I think of the best of Shaw Studios, uh, those signatures, it's stuff like that. The really vibrant sets, uh, the historical setting, this. Uh, based on you know what we could kind of pick up here sounded like it took place uh, as most of their kind of pieces do uh, during the manchu periods that would have been in like the 1600 to 1900 when i think it was like the jiang and the qing dynasty the last two dynasties it, so again we don't need to go to a whole history lesson and someone can correct that if they're more authoritative than me but uh, just a period piece um, you know, we'll get into the Manchus. And Matt had mentioned before that usually the Manchus are the good guy or the bad guys in this movie. They're the, he's the good guy though. I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like speaking of the Manchus, we're talking about the, the spoiler alert secret secret here that our antiques dealer, Master Wang is actually a prince, the 11th prince of the Manchu emperor. And he is a good guy. I I think you could argue that he's actually not a good guy, but uh, your thoughts. Is the Manchu actually a good guy? He's a charismatic guy. He loves his mustache. <laughs> he does <laughs> love his mustache. Well, no, I think I think he's, you know, it's, I, I feel like the Manchu in general, you know, they, I don't think there are good guys and bad guys in this movie. I think mm, it's just like, that? like I said, it has a, it has a, you know, a goofy, it's like a goofy version of Game of Thrones. One brother's trying to kill his other brother to take over the throne, but it's all these silly, wacky characters doing it, all these crazy antics, you know. Nonstop, so, yeah. yeah. Nonstop crazy antics. And, mm -hmm. and you know, so is, is Wang a good guy? He seems like a pretty nice guy. I mean, he does mess with Ho, like, the whole movie. Yes. Yeah. If I could describe this movie, this movie is just Wang messing with Ho. 
like the whole time. Wow, that's I didn't, I didn't even mean that. Wang is fucking with Ho. Like that's the whole thing. Like the whole movie. <laughs> you know, like he poisons him and then he gives him an antidote and like he says he's drunk and then he saves him and then he, it's like it's just it's just like you know Ho should have just left him alone, but he didn't. <laughs> Wang just kept giving him a hard time the whole movie. Why do you think that he did keep messing? Like, why? He, so obviously he was really interested in getting Ho to serve him. He needed these hoes to be in his stable, per se. Uh, <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> Maybe that should be the last of the Ho show. I'm going to kill the joke for us, guys. Uh, but really, why? So I, I don't know, just watching this a few times, like, why did... You know, like, they had the interaction at the brothel at the beginning where they're kind of one-upping each other for giving money and gold and credits, I guess, those, like, little blankets to yeah. these women, but he, he he sticks them around and draws them in. Why does he do that? Because well, he, he's genuinely... Why do you think he does? He's genuinely talented at what he does. He's just an idiot. So, like, that <laughs> seems a no-brainer, right? Train the guy, and, and you got somebody that you know he's not going to do anything dumb because he can't. He's just... You know, he's not he's he's not going to be a problem. He's a doofus. Also, right. I think I think he liked him. I think he's like, I yeah. like this, this kid. He's funny. Like he's trying, you know, he needs some guidance. And also, let's face it. He's a prince. He's a spoiled guy that can never get in trouble. All he does is flash his little stamp and the cops are just like, whoa, you know, and they back off. So he's lived the life of privilege and he's pretty much untouchable. So he's like, I'm. I find this kid amusing and I'm going to have some fun with him, but I like him. So I'm not going to like screw him over, you know, it is, it's kind of like an abusive friendship that turned into like actually a real friendship. In a way. Yeah. I think like for me, like, so I love kind of like buddy movies, buddy cop movies, that type of thing. But in this case, it almost feels like, you know, in honor of June is pride month. Like there, there's definitely some chemistry they've got going on where it is an abusive <laughs> chemistry. I agree, but there could be some type of, uh, you know, romance going on there, which I, I, I think is pretty genuine. And I, I picked up on it and I, I was like, good, for, good for these guys. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think the first time that I saw it, I thought, you know, yeah, he's messing with them, but ultimately, right. He brings them in and trains him and, you know, but it's, so I was reading a couple, there's different thoughts on that. I'll, again, I would take this from, from other people that are probably smarter than me or that too much into things. Or again, I just don't read enough. But uh, a couple of the things I read talked about that people see it as Lau Kar Lung trying to make a statement about class inequality. And that again, like if you look at it, the base of their whole relationship is exploitation. That he is throughout it, like, yeah, Wang is helping him, but he's really exploiting him throughout it. And even at like the very end, like I remember when we when we saw it at the theater, it has such a jarring ending. Like yes. we don't really get a, a resolution to the conflict. It's just here, I'm helping you go see your dad, and then you know, take these beads, and then it's like, get out of here. And the last thing we yeah. see is him basically throwing the kid. And right, it, yeah. right. So some of the people react that I some of the reactions I've read to this have said, like, well, this is showing you, like, this is he did this ending intentionally to show that. Uh, you know, the value that this Manchu had on this guy was ultimately that he's going to help him there. He's going to help him make it. But once he gets there, like, get the hell out of here. And uh, I, you know, none of that came from Lau Kar Lung, so it could be reading too much into it. But I know, like, that's 
one way that people look at, they'll comment on, I guess, in the 70s in Hong Kong, there was a lot of workers' rights activism. So some saw this as kind of Lao Karlong making a statement there. Whether it is or not, you know, it's not, and again, with movies, I, I hate so he, with any kind of movie, like, unless it's something like, him. don't look up the, yeah. oh, God. No, I, sorry, I, I, I was say, he does throw no. him, but he, he brings him into the room while in the air. So there's definitely, like, whatever that reading is, that's sort of apt, but there's also, like, he, he does fling him into the room. So there's some weird, uh, there's some weird business going on where he's, like, trying to, get him in that room with him it is it's how i read it right i mean well, I, you, I don't think you could, you could also look at it as um you know the reason he's called dirty ho is because he's a crook he's a thief yep. he, he's the jewelry yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. um and he is juxta and there's not much juxtaposition between him and the prince the prince is is very similar to him just better at what he does he's better at kung fu he's better at swimming people but he's, they're not that different from one another. So, I mean, another thing, we might be reading a little too much into it, but maybe it's saying, here's the thief and here's the aristocracy. And they're yeah. pretty much the same. They're pretty much oh, the same. It's just, ooh, and the that. one who's better ooh, at, that's at, good, all that's that, good. at all the, the one who's better at all the bullshit is the aristocracy. Yeah, for sure. So the for more sure. apt is the royalty. And I mean, think right. about it. He's, I think, I think Wang's a pretty cool guy. His brother's trying to kill him. The guards are all trying to kill him. Like it's cor- like corruption all over the place. So. Right. Right. Like there's no good guys the in this. That was good. Well, right. No more right. Needs to be said. I like that. The one, the part that strike or always stuck out to me is when they have that beautiful, magnificent fight at the end uh, with our, our man from King Boxer, Lolier. And the other two, the guy with like the weight and the the sword, the staff that Lolie takes, oh, or General Liang in this movie, I believe is his name. Um, at the end, the final part of that fight, when they do like get all twisted up in the staff and the halberd there, and Ho says like, "Who put you up to this?" And like that's when, right? That's when Wang like puts the death stroke on on Liang, and like, but he seems like uh, maybe I was mis like. Right, he's pissed at Ho, and he says, "You can't ask that." And like mm. that, I always thought, like, "Oh, that's really like even when they're fighting, and he's helping you get past this fighter that he went to like great lengths to the, like during that scene to say, like, I've seen him kill like th- what hundreds or thousands of Huns, and you know, this is a badass that they're fighting, and he helps him with it, and that, but then he asks that question, and you know, and, and Wang's reaction is, you can't ask that. Yeah, and like, doesn't he say, he doesn't he say something similar? Like, you can't, this is internal, these are internal royals, royal affairs. Don't stick right. your nose into it. Like, he says something similar to that, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. right, right. Cool. Right, like, it's definitely not like, uh, you fought with me, now you're in this with me. Like, right, at the end yeah. of the day, nope, so you're still, true. like, <laughs> you're in the air outside the door, and I'm doing whatever is going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, yeah, but also think, let's be honest, Wang is really cool. Like he's really, <laughs> really, oh yeah, really cool. Yeah, like come on, like like he's just I, and I, like he's all I, I love. Yeah, like I said, it's goofy. It's not a realistic martial art. I mean, how much is there? Are they actually fighting in this movie? It's pretty much performance art, but it's so cool. Like, yeah. I love one of my favorite scenes is when they're wine tasting 
and like just the movements he makes <laughs> just pretending he's not fighting while he's fighting i yes. thought it was amazing like i love that i loved it and what i, what I also oh, yeah. love is there was a part where and it might have been more of it but i picked it up when i was watching it um you know how the wines all have crazy names like there's the phoenix wine and then there was one that was called like the snake wine they mm -hmm. switched. oh and the three penis the three penis wine <laughs> <laughs> that's from another show <laughs> well they ruined my momentum because i don't know how to follow up. this is but just anyway, what i'm gonna I, do today I, you know i am yeah. i am actually like wang and when you try like making some like verbal jab here i'm actually gonna slightly counter it with yeah. my verbal well, idiocy and that's my block thanks a lot thanks i appreciate it but anyway <laughs> when he, i'm they're stroking doing the, my mustache they're doing the just... snake wine they actually transition to the snake style hand the kung fu so like i'm uh, listen I am not a kung fu expert by any means, but anyone who basically knows kung fu know that a lot of the styles are derived from, or at least named after, certain animals, crane and tiger and that. But there's also a snake one. And when they're drinking the snake wine, they hold their hands in such a way like they're fighting snake style. And I was like, did they do that on purpose? Because that was really cool. And there's a couple of times they comment on different styles of Kung Fu. Like one guy, yeah. he's like, oh, you're doing drunken boxing? He's like, no, this is sober boxing. And I was like, that's really goofy. <laughs> but like these guys clearly know what they're doing. It was, it was very interesting. Yeah, so it so that's one of the things that I love about this movie the most. So this stars my favorite actor from all of Shaw, Shaw Studios movies, Gordon Liu. Um, just... Guys, do you mind if I give just a really quick background here? Because I love Gordon and I'm excited to talk about him. And I will Absolutely. try to keep this brief, but please. I think this is our just, first movie we've talked about with uh, Gordon in it. It is. So I want to make sure that we honor yes. this legend. So There you go. Uh, so Gordon Liu, uh, again, has been was in tons and tons of Shaw Brothers films. Some of the best, uh, often with Lau Kar Lung. And there's uh, a reason for that. Uh, also, viewers who have seen Kill Bill... He was in both Kill Bill movies, first as the leader of the Crazy 88s. I forget what his character's name is there, but he's like the most badass that isn't Orenishi. And uh, and then he plays Paime in Kill Bill 2. So a legend that Tarantino, you know, as we know, and we've talked about, loves a lot of these film, these same films, gave him those roles to make sure contemporary Western audiences saw this guy. That aside, uh, so Gordon Liu... Uh, like many of uh, the people here that, we, that we've that we talked about with Shaw Studios grew up in Hong Kong. Um, he actually, so we didn't grow up at like a really young age learning Kung Fu. He kind of like, uh, I forget if it was Ron Van Cleet, one of the store, one of the guys, and you guys can correct me with this, but uh, it might've been Ron Van Cleet. It was like he went and saw a movie and saw someone as Wong Fei Hung. Uh, legendary character that there's other connections I'm sure I'll get into in a little bit uh, and was just inspired seeing that and said hey I want to I want to learn kung fu and I want to be in movies so he chose to study this style hunga or hungar um, I've seen both again, the GA and the GAR so I'm not sure yeah if, if one of our listeners who wants to correct me on that definitely do because I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that right but it's this hungar style that's a southern style um, it's uh, I think it translates to, it's also called Hung Quen, I believe is another, but it essentially, from what I understand, translates to Hung Fist. Um, 
And he was attracted to this because he looked up the different styles that were popular, and he saw that Hungar was considered to be the hardest style to learn. So he wanted to learn the hardest one. And so when he went to Clay, he found a school that he thought, well, this is a traditional school uh, that was from the Lao family. And, you know, he wanted to study this. He wanted to find, um, you know, something traditional. And the Lao family uh, was, I think, two two generations from this legendary Wong Fei Hung, who Jackie Chan plays in Drunken Master 2 and is in a ton of other movies and was in a ton of other movies before. Uh, so he started studying there. He was first the youngest student uh, learning in that. Though, again, he wasn't a child. I think he was a teenager maybe at the time that he started studying there. And because of that, again, the Lao, this was the school that Lao Karlong's father created that was one of these legendary schools in Hong Kong. He became close friends with Lao Karlong, just as Kung Fu practitioners. And as Lao Karlong got into the movie studios and he started directing his own films, he brought Gordon in and said, this is my friend. It, Name is not Gordon at the time. It's, oh, I wrote this down and I should have it in front of me. I think it's Sin Kam Hai. Um, I, I think this is another run-run trick that he changed it to Gordon because it's easy, especially in the West, for people to remember that name. But essentially, Lau Karlong brought him into Shaw Studios. And as we kind of mentioned, and what we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about with a ton of movies in the future, really the two of them form the foundation of what is a lot of Shaw Studios. Um and again, and I think what really sets Lau Karlong and Gordon Liu across is that they they're started their basis, even though Gordon Liu is inspired by seeing this movie and wanting to do this, that it really, you know, they're serious, dedicated practitioners that come from the school that has this direct connection to like one of the greatest Cantonese folk heroes, Wong Fei Hung. And a lot of what we see in Lau Karlong's movies tie into that and a lot and one of the things that i like about this movie uh, so we talk about all the interesting fight scenes that are like fights but not fights so in a lot of the yeah. movies you know they really showcase gordon Liu. the guy is incredibly talented he's a huge badass but also is like the most like charming charisma like one of the things i love about him but in this movie like even in the final fight scene like he he doesn't like go all out ever it's very like it's very uniquely styled and it's each of the so complex, and that's what I love that, like, it's not just I'm going to let Gordon beat a bunch of people for a long time. Like, to show he has talent by doing fights that aren't fights. And, again, even at the end when it's, well, we aren't tricking anybody. It's just we're really fighting for our lives. It's still, like, well, he's crippled. He can't. No, he isn't fully. All the, the two of them together with the staff and all that. It's I love those fights, uh, and especially, like, in the first half of the movie, when he's pretending not to know Kung Fu, even though it seems like Poe is the only one that doesn't realize he is good at Kung Fu, uh, all those fights are great. I don't know. So I, I'm interested in you guys, kind of what are your favorite fights, favorite fake fights? Yeah, I was just going to say, Mike, you kind of bring up a good point of, about his charisma because uh, the first kind of low lay fight where, where Gordon's kind of hanging out in the background, like your you're kind of attention and eyes are just... Not on the fight, but him sort of just stroking his mustache and just sort of enjoying what's going on in the foreground. Like it just shows his charisma is that your your attention's pulled to him and his reaction to the fight, not the actual cool kung fu fight. So uh, he he is a you know, charismatic special character. I think that his use of hangar is uh, it's a perfect style for this movie um, because 
half the movie he's trying to hide the fact that he can fight. And, you know, this style of kung fu is not like karate, which is very much straight up striking. It's not, you know, or it, it's not like Panchet Silat. It's very flowy. There's lots of, so tiger, so there's ti- the tiger claw, there's crane, they're in a lot of horse stance. So these stances that they're on, these flowy motions make for visually stunning things, but also not very hard looking attacks. So he can totally like wing his body around, lift his leg up and down. And like, like you can totally see crane at crane action. You know, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, crane style Kung Fu, but if you ever see a, like a, a crane or an egret or a heron. I see Karate around, Kid. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever seen like a like a, a heron or an egret, they have very long legs and they lift up their leg very high and they place it down very gently and they repeat and they repeat. And that motion is what inspires the crane style of kung fu. And the way he lifts his leg up and lifts things up with his instep and then puts it back down. Like when he's fighting with that that woman who's his bodyguard. Now I know she's a she's a prostitute. But that prostitute that he says is his bodyguard, like he'll lift up her leg and he'll move her arm and he'll like sway her around, making it look like she's attacking and blocking. But in reality, it's his very kind of sinuous, flowy motions. So this this classical, traditional style of Kung Fu lends itself extremely well to this movie. If it was something, like I said, more like karate or like, Muay Thai, you wouldn't be able to do this because it's a very direct, very succinct martial art. But in this case, those showy, flowy motions make for something that's so stylistic that it almost doesn't look like fighting sometimes. And it also allows for a lot of cool weapons, like the guy that fights with essentially ice skates and little blades yeah. coming out of their feet. That's like that's perfect for kung fu. Like that's, that's, that's like that kind of stuff. This you know hangar is perfect for. So it really that this classic almost operatic style of movie and the fact that you have traditional kung fu go hand in hand like uh, like movies like crouching tiger hidden dragon like old school kung fu is perfect for that kind of movie so it's just you know like it's kind of a perfect storm of appropriateness in both the style of the movie and the style of the martial art which i think is phenomenal yeah Fun fact I want to add on to that that ties to both those things that you talked about. So, right, one of the signatures of Hungar style is this fusion of tiger tiger and crane, or, you know, as our Wu-Tang boys say, the tiger versus crane. Ah. Uh, this actually, as I said, is a signature of this Hungar style. Uh, I, did you guys even know the song I'm talking about? Like that reference? Do, yeah. Yes? No? Okay. Yeah. Of course. I, I'm not Riza. I can't, I can't do it. What, yeah. is, what is this Wu-Tang that you speak of? Well, who is this? Um, but that so that style, the tiger, tiger versus crane, is kind of the subject of another movie that is another Lao Long movie, and is another favorite of mine that I can't wait to get to. The Executioners of Shaolin. That movie, if you want a primary story in that movie, is of uh, a man and a woman who the man learn knows tiger style, and the woman learns crane, and they have this fun like back and forth. Where which one's better and guys can't use. You know, this is where that's the movie that the villain Pai Mei originates from. Uh, uh-huh. it, you know, and he's the super badass that like defeats people with his crutch. No lie, like I can't wait to talk about this movie. Uh, he defeats people with his crutch. Uh, 
but the the woman tells the the man who's playing uh and I'm going to mispronounce this Han Jingguan who's the originator of Hungar style you know she tells him well you can't defeat Pai Mei with just this hard style you need the soft style too and in the movies about kind of those styles coming together and that's really what leads to that that's it's kind of the origin story of this style that uh you know eventually trickled down to Wang Fei Hung and then again another Lao Kar Long movie that he's just putting those all these things that he learned, he puts them into his movies. Um, that I just think is really cool. So uh, I can't wait for us to talk about that movie because that is a freaking wild movie. And Pai Mei is like one of the best villains. But anyways, we're talking about Dirty Ho. Uh, and I don't want to steal the thunder here. Other, What are your other, uh, the I don't know, do you call them dirty fights? Because. Fights that aren't fights? Yeah, I, well, Dom already mentioned, I think, my favorite where he's uh, Gordon Lau's... Uh, kind of puppeting that that woman she's like a human shield but she's also like you said he's he's puppeting her it's just really great i think there's even something similar in police story with jackie chan uh in a bedroom scene where it just kind of adds an, a weird extra element to it but um that was definitely my favorite it's also nice seeing lole again you know because we did king boxer and this is kind of a kind of a really different role for him you know it's sort of like kind of like a passive sort of you know uh follower or suitor of of gordon Lau. So. Um, you know, there's a lot to like here. Oh, and another fun fact, I'm just filled with them tonight, I guess. The woman, Crimson, the one that is the, like, puppet fighter, uh, so this is an actress, Kara Kui, uh, who actually is, like, a really esteemed, like, she's still making movies now. She's won wow. three Hong Kong Film Awards for Best Actress, and she was the first woman to win that award. Um, again, it's done, I guess there was a movie in 2009, she won a bunch of awards for i'm really interested in seeing called at the end uh at the end of daybreak where she plays a controlling mother or something jason have you seen it no that doesn't oh, i see i feel like if i just if i name a random weird movie that <laughs> I like, there's a there is a good chance jason has seen it and he can give me like three minutes of this so Jason, we got to watch this, and we'll. Uh... Sounds like it. Yeah, I failed you. I'm sorry. And random last fun fact: so she learned a northern style kung fu initially, and she learned she took weapon weaponry lessons from Donnie Yen's mother, another legendary martial artist wow. we haven't even touched on yet. So yeah, uh, just fun connections there. And as I said, she's. I think she made a movie in 2021. Like she's still out there. She's still acting, and uh, you know she's had a pretty illustrious career. This was definitely. I think I saw an interesting thing. She was a, like an extra in this movie. This is one of her early movies. And the whoever was the the lead in this role, I guess, was got cranky because of all the martial arts in it. And she's like, I, I, she didn't want to be this active. So she stormed off the set and Kara saw that opportunity and stepped in and was like, hey, and Lau Karlong had worked with her on, I forget what the, a movie prior to this one was like, okay, this girl can fight, so... I'm going to put her into it. And it really like that. This is what kind of built her career. So it's kind of, and right. That to me, that's the most unforgettable scene that it like, Oh, like I would love to know. I couldn't find anything, but I'd love an interview. Like how much of that is truly her fighting. And it's just Gordon Liu hanging on, you know, even though it's made like, right. I, you know, I, I would just be interested to know like when that was filmed, how much feel, is actually her, you know, I feel like, I feel like this movie is just teeming with talent. The extras yeah. fight spectacularly. 
the amount of people involved in certain fight scenes. Okay, let's even let's talk about the intro because the intro of this is basically oh, yes. one big extended kind of like um, I don't even know I don't even know what it's called. Uh, it's just it's just a bunch of fights, and uh, but it's very choreographed and very stylized, and that's kind of the way the movie is, where it's the extras are extremely talented. Uh, all the fights are, uh, and and. I don't want to. I don't want this to sound pejorative. Just because I say it's choreographed does not mean that it's necessarily bad. Okay, this yeah, movie, it's a movie. Is, but I mean, it looks choreographed, but that's yeah. okay because no one's like there couldn't happen. Like it's not the intention of the movie to show right. a realistic fighting scene. You're looking at, you know, it's almost like a dance half the time. The way that these people move. And the scenes are so complex, and also the cameras, the camera angles don't change that much. So like the shot lasts for a while, and people will do a lot of moves, and there's lots of flips and lots of like. There were several times I'm watching this movie. I'm like, if they screwed up by half an inch or by half a second, someone would have lost an eye. Like someone would have got right. knocked in the face. But it was. It well, was very very skillful choreography and i feel like every scene everyone in it could do it even like the weirdos like like i, I bring up the bitters which can we talk about can we talk about are, those, are you talking about is that the the agonies oh they the call them the bitters the yeah uh, they, depending on the dub yeah yeah the dub i had they called oh, them the right, bitters right. yeah it's called the agonies on the the arrow yeah well, yeah, they. Bad translation, what was it? up with those guys? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's know. that scene is kind. Of, that's semi cringy, right? Yeah, like it's goofy as hell. One's cross-eyed, the other one is a masochist. And is that a woman? I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's that. Well, then he drinks the tea, and he's like, gets the like. He's it implies that right, yes. but he like. He like turns into a woman, and I'm like, yeah, well, this isn't coming. really done in a way that's like, oh, this is empowered for transgendered. Like, uh, no, this is like that. That part is a little cringy, right? Uh, but, right, but and I that bring guy, it up uh, the, even the leader they, of it is. But I bring right. it up because even they fight well. Even they like those. Even yeah. they do a good job. The biter, the one that bites him, I was oh, like, this is yeah. really cool. Like <laughs> the guy. No, I, I like like all the other fights are kind of cringy, but he basically his entire angle is he does flips and crazy motions just so he can bite him. And I was like, who thinks of this? Who thinks it's like okay, your fighting style is you only bite. Make it work. And they do it. And I just thought it was really cool. And that's yeah. the whole movie is they're like, okay, you're a hunchback. How would you fight if you were a hunchback? Okay, exactly. you have one arm. How would you fight with one arm? And it's right. like they came up with all of these versatile, albeit very choreographed, versatile ways of displaying a fight with these artificial plot-based limitations. And I think that's, that's where this movie's real strength is. It's almost never just a straight-up fight. It's these people are handicapped. These people are weirdos. We don't want to show that there's a fight. They're gonna the whole time you're drinking wine. The whole time you have a woman in front of you. The whole time you're looking at antiques. There's always a gimmick yes. that makes a... fights like nothing you've seen before. And because Jackie Chan didn't have his shtick really matured yet, this right. was 
this was totally new. And that's why there was nothing like it. And I thought it was fantastic. Right. It makes you forget about things like when he fought the ninja with Dr. Strange's cape, apparently. (laughs) 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 No, I love. So one of the things that you brought up, the the camera angle, like that camera style is very, uh, is a signature of Lau Kar Lung that he like a lot like he's known for these really claustrophobic fight scenes that a lot of them happen in really cramped in spaces and like and you watch it's interesting that even when they have weapons like the focus is always on the the actors so that you're still like you're even when there's those weapons like you're still drawn into the people and how they're fight like your eyes aren't drawn all to the screen like it's very like drawn in and you know some of that uh, people attribute that to his appreciation for kung fu that he wants to show, like you to see in the sense of what these people can do with their bodies. And I'm glad that you brought up, like, uh, to me, it's one of the biggest signatures of a Lao Kar Long movie that is one of my favorite things in Shaw Studios is those intros. So I think of those intros uh, that he has in almost all his movies as a fight overture, because especially overture. like this movie. That's the word. Oh my God! That but was like, you kind of get the plot Thank of the whole movie, but like he's known for, uh, you know, all the movies that I can think of offhand that he's done have this like Thirty Six Chamber as this unforgettable one that's like in the rain with Gordon Liu and these the rings on his hand, his arm. But he, you know, this was a thing that was important to him because the kung fu and this hungar was really important to him and his family. He saw this as an opportunity that when you take away the background. And it's always just the actor, and it's usually a plain, solid color background. Then you can only see what this person is doing. And it's like he, you know, kind of like we talked about with Enter the Dragon, where Bruce Lee wanted to start the movie by, I'm going to tell you about my style, and I'm, you know, I'm going to make this clear. Like this is in each Lao Kar Long movie. You know, he uses this as an opportunity to say, you are going to the first few minutes of this, you are going to watch this in action, and there's no other distractions for you. It's just, you know, this artist or this, you know, we see kind of the fights reenacted or previewed for us a little bit. And I just love, because it's always so striking with the, you know, that like primary color background, and then just the actor, like it's so, just visually, you know, it draws you in. And I love like... even the color itself, it's a use for, like we've all said, every single scene is, there's just so much color. Like, it was another thing with Lau Kar Long that, like, he rarely shot on location. It was always sets because he wanted to be able to control the camera and control, like, I want all this color popping out. And it's just, right, like, it's watching it, like, it was cool to see that 35 millimeter print at the, at the Kung Fu Fest, but you're we missed so much in that we didn't get to see as much of that color that's such a, you know, it's a very intentional part of the movie. And, uh, and again, those intro scenes, I just love them. Like, I'll look them up on YouTube sometimes and watch them just to, I don't know, they're, they're really fun to watch. And it's amazing when you take out, like, everything just to see what these guys are, and women in some of them, uh, like, they can do. Unreal. Yeah, that Rune City uh, fight where they, you know, uh, Gordon Lau comes in on the, uh, he's being pushed by Lele in the, the wheelchair. That is just like so beautiful. I mean, just like, you know, like almost like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like just gorgeous, you know, operatic set and there's leaves blowing and there's just, 
it's just so like you know you're almost kind of almost taken out of the movie it's so it's so pretty so definitely right. agree with like that. like even when it's outside like how he paints the the sky in that is it's yes. always vibrant colors like it's not just a like overcast gray which is great for lighting right it's right. like it's there's bright colors and what about the palace like when they fight in the palace and you go into the throne room it's gorgeous oh, yeah. like like i was like wow this is yeah. like I, I remember saying to myself i kind of wish i could go back in time to dynastic china it seems really <laughs> really no like the art and the culture oh, yeah. and, and and all that stuff um Clearly, they had good wine. They talked about it for half an hour. <laughs> no, but it seemed like I—I I feel like I don't know. I—I—it I, I, felt relatable. It, it didn't feel like a different time. It's like, all right, well, you know, people gamble. People like you know, rich people like antiques. People steal from one another. There's you know, they talk about right. wine, and it's just like, you know, I mean. You know, it's a long time ago, but it felt very relatable. And that's one of the things I liked about it. It, it was, yeah. you know, it's like I liked the characters. Like, I did. I, I felt like I knew them. Well, I mean, how even if you question it, as we talked about a little before of Wang and, like, how how exploit, exploitative he maybe is or isn't of Ho, uh, just the fact that, like, his missionary is like, I really just want to go and, like, see beautiful things and you know buy them if i can and do martial arts like i, I remember watching that and be like oh yeah man that would be like if i didn't have to do anything that'd be super cool like i'd love to just go around and buy like art and yeah. you know see all this cool stuff and then just uh you know dedicate myself to some martial art like yeah, he's basically yeah. a hipster you know you like can't blame this guy like he's not he's a he's a hipster with a trust fund that's really all he right is. Yeah. i mean that's true yeah. Right. I mean, I could see. I could Except see his was, yeah. brothers want to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, a lot of hipsters want to do that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, That's, I have seen succession. Yeah. That's, oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, great show. I'm in the middle of it. What a great show. Don't even get me started. Oh, what season um, are you on? Uh, middle of season two. Fantastic. Oh, you got some oh, stuff. Have fun. Have fun. It is wonderful. All I can say is, boy, yeah, on the floor. Bar on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> just wait, Dom. Just wait. But but uh, let's get back to, to Dirty yeah, Ho. Back to Dirty Ho. I, I mean, like, let's think about let's think about a lot of these. You know, because kung fu movies, even like the Chopsaki old school versions, I mean, they're action movies. When you think about it, they're action movies before action movies became big. And like, think about an action movie. Action movie tends to have limited dialogue. Everyone's kind of grimacing and like. Rrr. Like, you know, and let's take even more modern ones like The Raid. I don't think anyone smiled for the entire hour and a half of that movie. Like, it's just this very kind of distilled uh, range of acting and a range of emotions. But um, Dirty Ho, I feel like you got a whole range of, of acting. People were, you know, there was comedic, they, they, were, they were acting goofy, they were acting angry, they were acting happy, they were shocked. I feel like there was a... a like a whole, you know, like rainbow of emotions that the actor portrayed, which made the movie like, less monotonous than it could have been. Because let's face it, some of the fights were long, and yeah. some of the some of the oh, plot yeah. sequences seemed a little complex, and it was really at risk of becoming monotonous, but it never did because it had that diversity of delivery, 
and it mm -hmm. kept you interested. And, and it was also successful as a comedy, even though it was like, you know, kind of a juvenile movie comedy. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I'd love to know, yeah. like, what, you know, in terms of Shaw Brothers' output, like, is, I mean, I assume they were putting out comedies, but, like, to combine kung fu and comedy um, at the same time, like, was is this already happening, or is this sort of just like a, you know, a, a big moment where they're just like, hey, you know what, we should, you know, get our peanut butter and our chocolate right here. So I, uh, <laughs> I'd be, lo I'd love to know kind of if there was more of something like this before this, or is this sort of like a seminal moment where they're combining the two? Yeah, I don't know. I think there was some, but I don't know how prolific it was. So right. one one story I read that I, it sounds like everyone's agreed this is not true, but it's interesting to think about it. So the actor that plays Ho is uh, his name, obviously not real name, as everybody goes through different acting changes names or acting names. But uh, he's Wong, Wong Yu, Yui, Yui. Uh, and apparently, so anyways, the, the point here, uh, my horrible mispronunciation aside, was that one of the ways that, that he his name will be pronounced is Wang Yu. And... A story goes supposedly that that Run Run Shaw gave him that name because he uh, earlier I, I forget when it was exactly. So the great uh, recently passed Jimmy Wang Yu uh, was with Shaw Studios and they had apparently a, a rough falling out with each other. And uh, you know, however, as many people were wont to do, ticked off Run Run Shaw. And the story goes that he then gave this guy, uh, our actor that plays Ho the name Wang Yu, and he put him in comedies to try to, like, that he's like, oh, he's going to look like a stupid funny clown in all his movies, and this is going to be me insulting Jimmy Wang Yu over and over and over again, um, which I'm excited for us to do a Jimmy Wang Yu movie because they're, you know, very different. Like, they're, you know, very physical and very aggressive. Um, it sounds like everything I read said that there's there's no truth to that, but it does, it adds to it, and at least as far as uh, Wang Yu goes like he did make a career out of he did a like this was kind of his style um but i don't know how much that really was going on overall like with shaw uh, you know at that time it, certainly if you look at other lao karlong movies like they don't have that same comedic bent until maybe yeah. you get to drunken master too like it's mm -hmm. definitely it's unique in that way and especially yeah, as I mentioned before with Gordon Liu, like I, it was fun to see him get to act that it, get to act that piece out too that you don't see in a lot of the typical kung fu movies. Just one thing I meant to jump in earlier. I, I was doing a little bit of research myself, and uh, the the person that I was watching it was actually in the pre-show on Arrow, so I shouldn't make it sound like I did this whole like. You know, super intellectual quest. I clicked on Dirty Ho and there was a 30-minute intro with some very, very dry British man. But he did make the point um, that the wine is not actually wine. So that's it, just really? what it's dubbed. So really all that is is just booze. That's just whatever booze. Like it's just straight alcohol? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so it's, rice, it's probably rice liquor? Maybe, yeah, or some sort of possibly just distilled as well, because apparently there's only one huh. word for for alcohol in Mandarin, so it could be anything. Um, but that's why, yeah. It's, oh, okay. So yeah, when they're doing their tasting, it's more of a, a wine and spirits tasting than it is, which is why they do the different, yeah. Any who's well, I, yeah. I, I have a funny personal story concerning Chinese booze. Um, so uh, <laughs> no, here we go. 
It's not that bad. So um, when I was in graduate school at Rutgers, uh, my second year, a new student came in from uh, Beijing um, and we became very good friends. And she's like, and we had all these, there were lots of the grad students, you know, would have parties and we'd drink and stuff like that. And, um, and she'd be like, oh, we should try some Chinese wine. You can actually buy it here. And I go, really? It's like, yeah, you can buy it at, at one of the stores. I guess like you know, Central Jersey's had a had a wide array of boozes, apparently. So, um, so I remember it's a Jersey thing. It's a Jersey thing. So I remember um, <laughs> she went there and bought some, and she came over to my place, and we we drank this stuff. And let me tell you, man, she drank it under the table, not because I couldn't drink, but this stuff. <laughs> was so harsh and she didn't shoot it she sipped it and i was just like oh my god like i tried to shoot it as quickly as possible because it literally tasted like kleenex but she was just like and it like oh man so so if that's what i think it is it's legit and like yeah there's those guys could drink <laughs> like it wasn't wine it was just straight up liquor but she called it wine and i think that's because of that thing she's like oh this is wine i'm like oh it was not wine it, it was not wine <laughs> so kind of a well, funny story. I, i'm very interested to know if we do have listeners or we talk to your friend one that can tell us about the world of chinese spirits or and or wine or if they're the same thing or if we have someone that's an expert in Chinese wine spirits in the Manchu period, I think we would need to enjoy and then imbibe it. So maybe that's a crossover uh, with BRJ. I mean, I, mean I can answer. Uh, I mean, I mean, we still talk. Uh, you know. Um, oh yes. But uh, like, it was also 18 years ago. Oh my god, I'm so old. Kill me. <laughs> we'll find out. And as Matt pointed out, our good friend Chris Lindstrom, our beloved Stromy, stuff around here. It's definitely going to be him because his uh, his food and drink knowledge and spirit knowledge is diverse and broad. Uh, yeah. So uh, future conversations, future conversations. Um, okay. I think all I conversation can, all, I'm probably... going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. All I can think of when you said spirit knowledge was like Egon from the first like <laughs> Ghostbusters where you know he talks about like Tobin's spirit guy. <laughs> it was like the spirit awesome. Stromy is a lot like Egon except if you spend a lot of time with him you end up absolutely shit housed. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. We're yeah, I could we got to have him on soon. It'll Stromy, you know we want you on here. You uh, we'll we'll get it. We'll make it happen. Uh, uh, but I'm hoping, Dom, that you will interrupt one more time with what we must have on every show, a Dom's Science Corner. Science! Okay, I'm going to need your help with this, guys, because the impression that I got is that the poison that was on the blade that cut Ho's head started growing plants out of it is that, is that like what happened like what did you how did you interpret that it, it, like, just, yeah chia seeds is about as close as i could come to it <laughs> it did look very chia yeah because at one point like cuts him in the head and the doctor's looking at it, he's like i don't know what this is so 
I got to admit, I couldn't come up with a science segment, but the boys here are like, what about that? Is there a possible way of poisoning someone so they grow plant material out of their head? The answer is no, but it's an interesting side note because um, there are plants that are parasites. So when we think of plants, we think of photosynthesis, meaning that they take light and that helps them turn low energy inorganic molecules into high energy organic molecules, namely water, carbon dioxide, they turn it into sugar. That's the, the very quick and dirty photosynthesis, right? Um, so the idea of a parasite, which is something that gains energy from something else while it's still alive, doesn't really make sense when it comes to plants. But there's actually plenty of parasitic plants. Um, and it's very interesting how they work. They're parasites of other plants. So they will grow on other plants and their roots or their stems will grow into trees and they'll literally suck the sugar out of them, which is very interesting. And actually 1% of all flowering plants are parasitic plants. So I, I'm, unfortunately, I don't know many of the names off the top of my head. I'm not a botanist. And also like I came up with this science thing with the last minute, but yeah, there are plenty of parasitic plants. Now, None of them that I know of parasitize animals. So you can't stick one of them on this guy's head and all of a sudden it'll start growing into his head. It's not like Creepshow 1. What's the segment, guys? Help me with it again. Is it the Ballad of Jordy Vero? Is that what it is? Yeah, the one with Stephen hey, it King. It sounds right to me. Essentially gets all the stuff growing on him. That's not going to happen. There's no day of the trip. Stevie goes Chia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah unfortunately there's there's no plant that would grow in your head as a parasite now fungus fungus makes a good living parasitizing humans but there are no plants so not my best science segment ever but we're pretty much reaching here so that's all i got for you guys if you've seen return of the swamp thing heather locklear grows some type of uh plant out of her foot at, at the end of the movie showing she's also becoming a swamp thing so that was a document. Oh, spoiler alert, Matt. Oh, Matt, Jason. Man. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. I'm ruining it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got to ask. We're ruining it. We're as ruining as, it. <laughs> has Anomaly done the Wes Craven Swamp thing? Because that movie is a masterpiece. Not yet. Absolutely love it. Are you signing up to do it later? I'll, I'll do it right now. Sweet. <laughs> I'll talk about that movie right now. That movie is, call, is a, is a schlock movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> science. there you go there you go well that was a wonderful science segment uh, for it said i don't actually yeah. have one today but then i actually did this is the wealth of knowledge yeah, that the walking up. weapon the professor brings with us yeah <laughs> right i'm like i can't i don't know the name of any of these oh my god there's gonna be some botanist who loves our show is gonna be like this guy's a hack with the, you know no, so I apologize to any botanist. I think if we get, I think that if we get botanist rage tweet, I'll all know we've made it. So I'm just I'm looking forward to the day where we get angry science tweets. I'm and, uh, you know, yeah. and I'll be like, hey, just go ahead, Dom is not on Twitter. So, oh, there will be an episode where I talk about dinosaurs, and I actually professionally know about dinosaurs and dinosaur fan persons are bad they're bad like <laughs> like we're talking like 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 there are one level below star wars fan people 
Like they are. <laughs> wow. So, so as a Star I, Wars fan, I can say that's pretty bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Star Wars. We are fans a miserable are bunch. Yeah, we are a miserable bunch. <laughs> and I'm not talking about di- I'm not talking about paleontologists. I'm not talking about dinosaur researchers. We're a very lovely bunch. But I'm talking about the fans, like that are just like I love Stegosaurus. Woo! Like they, the groupies. Ooh. Yeah, they're a, they're a bunch. They're they're a bunch. Like so. Yeah, I, I bet. Let me just put it this way: I better not mess up any of my dinosaur facts on this show, or we will hear about it. What's That's a kung fu well, dinosaur movie? I was just um, looking for one. I cannot find, find one. Close, <laughs> closest you get is Kung Fury. We will, you know what? We're going to have Raptor. Oh, okay. This Velocipaster. Oh, yeah. We're you doing, know what? That's the next anomaly movie. That's the next podcast. Oh, really? We're doing. Yeah. Oh, so, it's cool. Yeah. Not, we're not screening. Yeah. It's going to be the next anomaly presents. We're, we're recording that in a couple days. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, and that's if you do want to hear um, talk about dinosaurs. Uh, I know I retweeted on our Twitter account. That's at Punches and Popcorn uh, on Twitter, of course. Uh, I recently guested on. Uh, Tom, remind me the name of the show. How did we friend. miss this? How did we miss this? How did we miss this? Yes. Um, and I, as I said, from our Twitter account, I know I retweeted their release back in I think April. The episode came out where Dom and the host of that show, Essex Park, which is very fitting because we're recording or or the week after Jurassic World Dominion has come out. So, you know, if you want to go back to the original, as Jurassic World Dominion seemed to really, really want to do in terrible ways. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it, but that's what I've heard. Well, the takeaway is... To listen to Dom on that show. (laughs) Just wave your hand at the... The takeaway is just... That's how you communicate. Just wave your hand at the dinosaur. They get it. That's You just put your hand, like, in front of a dinosaur... Right, you just kind of do like a, a calm but high five that aside, at them and they, the mission they is, just fall in tow. Yeah, just go back and rewatch the 94 movie um, and then listen to Dom on that show. Uh, that movie, the original is Perfection and Dation. That episode is, of course, Perfection. But you can actually hear the professor talk about the subject that he is uh, classically trained in as a doctor of philosophy or whatever the actor you can correct me you're you're the doctor (laughs) dinosaurs are classic professor here um so anyways yeah uh magic matt what uh i know we want to plug in some of our fellow lunchador shows here i know we got some new stuff coming out i can't remember if i mentioned on mic or not the uh brj i know just did a yeah as of recording this it just released a live special live episode that our, our, gave me quite a bunch of laughs. So our second anniversary extravaganza recorded live at the Rochester Real Beer Expo. Um, nice. It's a lot of McKenneth monologuing while I'm waiting in line for the the latrines. Is uh, the way that one all boiled out. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Those lines are long, and and Shaboy was very uh, <laughs> very hydrated that evening. So yeah, so that's a fun one. Um, and plenty and of, you learn about how difficult it is to be named McKenneth. It's true. It's true. He, he <laughs> loves... We, we do get into the etymology of McKenneth <laughs> in the middle of this. It's one of our... our it, it, we don't like to do the origin story up front. you got to wait for it. So two years in, we did that. Um, so true. Also a lot of there talk about food trucks, and then there's a whole late thing where he's just people watching and commentating. It's a good time. It's only about 20 minutes, so <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. So that one, uh, we will have Tammy and the T-Rex out for Anomaly Presents. Uh, Very we, nice. We did oh. watch the gore cut. Um, so it's Talking animals. about dinosaurs right there. Yeah. Dom, you seen that one? No, I have not. You got to uh, get on that. Are you familiar with the plot at all? No. So it's uh, Denise Richards and uh, Paul Walker. Come in. Yep. Oh, there was more. <laughs> yep, there's more. So Paul, Paul Walker plays the star quarterback that uh, ends up in an accident, and his brain is transferred into a giant animatronic T-Rex. And <laughs> Denise Richards plays the the woman who loves him. You've seen it before, but never with, uh, yeah, Paul Walker. Yeah. So, <laughs> so is it a, it's an animatronic T-Rex, or does it look like a robot? Is it like Truckosaurus? No, it, it's, um, it's a straight-up animatronic robot. It looks like they just stole it out of a carnival. So basically, as near as I can tell, from, from, from what I'm aware of with this movie, they gave the director a 12-foot-tall robotic T-Rex and said, here, write a, write, write a script. Go, go for it. You have three days. Um, well, you forgot about the close-ups where the yeah. T-Rex hands are clearly like a, a person's hands in like green gloves. Yes. And at some point, he'll, he'll pick up like someone he didn't mean to hurt and like dust their shoulder off and be like, I'm sorry, I hurt you, buddy. Like it's it's so wonderful. My favorite moment with that is when he answers the, the payphone. Yes. He reaches, <laughs> he reaches out with his T-Rex arm and pulls the payphone receiver out and just pulls it up to his he giant sure does. head. That's very good. <laughs> So wonderful. So this is not to be missed. I have so many questions. Tom, you got to see this movie. You know, it's it's actually an active discussion. What did T-Rex use? Why did T-Rex have such small arms? And it's like, did he use it for them for anything? Were they just vestigial? And there's lots of theories. Corn on the cob. Answering the phone <laughs> makes perfect sense. That's you know they could fully yeah. extend it. Just turned up. Whoop, hello. Can so that's why. Yep. Can tell you what he didn't do. Never picked up a check. <laughs> Stupid old joke. Stupid well, old not... joke. <laughs> anyway, so, well, that sounds like an episode of Anomaly. Yep. That that's yeah. Stupid old joke, just like Anomaly. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Oh, man, I am killing it today. No, so yeah, there's that. And then uh, a couple weeks after, it's another Denise Richards film, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's Denise, Denise Richards. So film. wonderful. Ooh, classic. So great. Yeah. It's the summer of Denise Richards over in our, with our Anomaly Friends. Check it out. Summer of Denise Richards, and I'm sure you can say like 12 more movies you'd rather talk about with Denise Richards in them. But, you know, we, we took the nope. safe choices. Um I like it. I like yeah. it. Everyone's seen Wild it. Things and Starship Troopers. Let's go with the more interesting. Not ones. enough people have seen Tammy and the T Rex. There you and go. There you go. I have not seen it. I'm. Oh, I'm absolutely geez. going to see this. I did. I did not know this existed. Yeah. Until right I feel, now. Until well, until I think Matt told me about it earlier in the week. Oh, okay. That, that was when I first heard. It is I'm on... thinking of moving to Rochester just so I can watch these movies with you. <laughs> it's on. It's on Shutter. So. You, you know, oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. It's on Shutter. Oh, another great source. Shutter too. Like Shutter and Arrow, man. There you there you go too. Absolutely. Uh, uh, anything else we want to plug, Matt? Uh, we have the crossover episode with everybody from Lunchador popping up on BRJ. Uh, t- yes. Talking about the Genesee Colches, the Battle yes. of the Colches. And I think everybody from every show is going to pop up somewhere in there. So it's a, a little. It's like, remember when TJF all crossed over? So like Belky Bartokamos <laughs> would show up on, uh, what was the step by step? Yeah. Right, or... yeah. 
Yep. Urkel, yep. Would, Urkel would pop up on 2020. Like, it's that kind of night. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. So, Battle of the Colches or whatever uh, yeah. our brilliant friends at BRJ, Matt McKenna, decide to dub it. That we'll be there. Good. I'll have them start making the Rockin' a Colch. Yep. <laughs> Rockin' a Colch. That's going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> Rockin' a Colch. Lunchador rocks a Colch. That doesn't no yes. way say how we feel about the beer, by the way. I should clarify. <laughs> Just in case Genesee yep. overhears anything I do. Um, yeah. Oh, they should. And Genesee, if you want to sponsor BRJ uh, and just send them unlimited beers, it's good for business. Just we'd happily take it. Uh, happily. Yeah, of course. And, you know, punches and popcorn, We uh, beer goes good with popcorn, as any sure bar uh, might attest to. So. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, as I mentioned before, our next show, we're going to come back in a couple weeks, and we are going to cover the original 1978 Drunken Master and finally cover Jackie Chan. We've only talked about him in passing or by getting hit with a nunchuck or something from Bruce Lee. I forgot Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Next episode, we're going all in on Jackie. So I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, yeah, and we're excited to hear from you uh, if you listen to this. Uh, or any of our other episodes and have any thoughts about you know what we missed or stuff you enjoyed, uh, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Punches and Popcorn. Uh, you can email us at punchesandpopcorn at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook now, too, because social media is a hellscape, and why not be everywhere and just feel the fire? Right? So you can find Punches and Popcorn on Facebook as well. we'll any of those will announce our new episodes come out. Um, but hope to hear from you and we're excited to be back in a few weeks with some Jackie. All right, guys. Well, this is a blast. Can't wait to do more.